1: This is Episode 17 with Jarek Robbins. Live it on purpose.
0: This is On Purpose with Justin Barclay. Extraordinary stories of ordinary heroes on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Welcome to On Purpose. My name's Justin Barclay, Reformed Radio Shock jock, Turned Turn inspiration junkie. Each week we bring you extraordinary stories of ordinary heroes living their daily lives, turning pain into purpose, finding opportunity in the obstacles, and transforming tragedy into triumph. What separates them from the others? How do they stand out above the crowd? We dissect their process and uncover their powerful secrets, the keys to living life on purpose. He came face to face with death, and that near-death experience is what drives him every day to make a difference. We'll find out what happened in Jarek Robbins' life that made him really take a, a really good look at what he was doing and where he was headed and propel him into the direction of serving people like he does today. It's coming up. Great episode for you. Jarek joins us in just a moment, and I'll ask him some great questions about that purpose, about how you can define that for yourself as well. But first, I just want to say thank you. I want to give a shout out to a couple of folks who have gone above and beyond and I appreciate it as a matter of fact, left a rating, a five-star rating and a review at justinbarkley.com slash podcast, the iTunes podcast store. A big shout-out to Justin D. Williams. Justin, I appreciate the review. It says, and by the way, great name, too. Justin's ability to touch hearts and help people share their personal journey is a delight to listen to. Thanks for the inspiration and awesomeness with this uh, podcast. Justin, five-star rating. Dude, thank you, brother. I appreciate you. Justin's got a great show, too. One that I subscribe to, actually. It's called The 8-Minute Millionaire. It's Justin and his wife, Tara Williams. you got to check it out. Hey, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. If you'd like a shout-out, as a matter of fact, want to help us out, this would be amazing. If you enjoy the show, you're digging the episodes by all means, this helps us get us in front of more people. Um, iTunes loves the reviews. They love the ratings. Uh, give us a good review an honest review five star, <clears throat> excuse me. And, uh, and a great rating. We'd love to hear from you um, at justinbarclay.com slash podcaster. You can find us on the iTunes store. Without further ado, let me welcome to the show our guest of the hour, and this guy is super successful, an amazing, inspiring individual. He's helping millions every day uh, through the books he writes, through the programs, the coaching that he does, um, and his story, inspiring and motivating others to live a different life, a better life, a life on purpose. I thought he was a great fit for the show, and that's why I'm so happy to welcome The guy who's uh, won a congressional gold medal. This is amazing. Just looking at these stats. At 23, he's written the books. Like I said, I mean, he's done some really amazing things. Welcome, Jarek Robbins. Appreciate you joining us, man. Thanks for having me, man. Very cool. I have to start, like, you know, just just going back and reading through your book and uh, and, and kind of getting to know you a bit. You know, you do the preparation to talk to people. And and one of the things that I, I, like, just hit me i thought the best place to start was your near-death experience and that's like where you you start the book so uh, walk us through what what
2: happened well i had just come back from semester at sea which is an awesome experience as a student uh, if you have someone who's in university or headed towards university 100,000% tell them to look up semester at sea and, and it'll rock their world It's hundred for me it was a 100 day voyage starting in Vancouver going through Asia, Africa South America, Central America, back up to Florida and so we circumnavigated the globe on a ship, um, did 10 countries in 100 days, had about 5 to 7 days in each country and, and the cool part is you're on board with your, your professors studying university classes, and you get credit for your, your home university, and, and you're studying on board, I happen to be studying psychology, so cross-cultural psychology, sociology, um, you know, uh, human sexuality, all these topics of, of the person and individual, and then dropping into countries and seeing real life what we're talking about unfold before my eyes so you talk about a collectivist nation of how people are very similar and do lots of things together make group decisions all this other jazz and then you drop into China and you're like whoa that's really how it is here crazy and then you talk about an individualist culture and you drop into the next place and go wow it really is this way (laughs) and it's an awesome way for your textbook to literally come to life so I just got done with that trip and when I hit East Africa there was a part of my soul that came to life that I'd never experienced before. And, and, and just seeing the beauty of life and, and how magnificent the culture was and, and the people were so loving and fun and, and outgoing and, and friendly. And I, I just was drawn to go back. So I packed up, decided to go back with a volunteer organization and I got placed teaching organic farming in a rural farming village out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, it's like a four and a half hour drive out of the main city and then another 20 minute drive at a little tiny city and you're just a, literally a one street village that has like two, Two shops a Coca-Cola machine somehow I don't know how Coke decided to run a electricity wire to this village <laughs> but I was impressed it's the only electricity wire in the entire village and it runs a Coca-Cola machine <laughs> um and so I was already out there teaching organic farming and, and I grew up in Southern California. I have some very, you know, open minded and progressive type parents who who believe in in self healing and natural remedies and, and and stuff like that. And and so when I grew up, I wasn't all about inoculations and vaccinations and all this stuff. And I never had any of them. And I grew up to be a healthy, happy, you know, successful human being who's done great things in the world, at least from my perspective. And everything's turned out fine. So when I went to East Africa, even on Semester at Sea when I'd gone through and spent a week there, didn't take any vaccinations, you know, any of that stuff and I was totally fine. What I didn't realize is living in a village full time for many months at a time while drinking the water, while eating the food, while it being malaria infested locally, I didn't realize that it could actually get me and it got me. And so I got to a point where I got malaria. I knew I had it and I decided still not to take the medicine because my belief is I would be fine if I just drank enough green drink and cleanse my body and ate healthy foods and just stuck to veggies. My body would heal itself Um, because that's my past experience thus far and that's what I really believed. But uh, fast forward, it got to a point where I was arguing with the doctor and we were going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and, and they were looking for a way to try to leverage me into taking the medicine because I was getting really sick. At, at one point it got so bad that you know one of my lungs stopped started to slow down. I was having trouble breathing every day. And, and so at that point I was like, okay, maybe I should pay attention to what this doctor's saying and see what he has, you know, his opinion. And, and we went back and forth and he was arguing with me. He's like, you don't take medicine. Are you joking? You use sunscreen. Sunscreen's a topical medicine. I'm like, listen, I know what you're doing and no, that's not going to work. Back and forth, back and forth. He said, finally, let me just show you your blood. Maybe that'll help. Your visual. He took a sample of my blood, threw it up on the screen. There are 55,000 parasites per one red blood cell. According to his calculations, at the rate they doubled, he started to show me how it works. How they expl- hatch, explode out of the cell. You know, they feed on water, so you immediately dehydrates your body, mm. and, and it kicks your ass. All this stuff. And I was like, wow, I didn't know that. When I started to get educated and understand what was going on, um, what I realized was, wow, I'm in a real shit position. And he said, at the way this is going, and how many blood cells that they're depleting every eight to ten hours in your body, he's like, your body's got about, I don't know, six days roughly. And I remember being a little stubborn and being like, six days till what? <laughs> and he's like, six days till it no longer is able to function. And I was like, and? He's like, you die. I was like, oh, shit. and And so, you know, being in my early 20s, being sat down by a doctor, being sick, not being beat up and being told that you possibly are going to live six more days and that's it, it's a... Big old wake up call in life. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if you're listening in, you are in your 20s or teens. You you probably have the thought that you're going to live forever. That's what it feels like. Mm -hmm. And if you're much older than that, listening in, you're probably thinking, "Oh yeah, I remember that (laughs) moment of my life. It feels like you're freaking invincible. (laughs) You can do anything. You can scale buildings and you know take take overnighters and nothing's ever going to hit you." Mm -hmm. And so this was my first big big wake up call of life, where like life smacked me in the face and said, "Hey, uh, you're not as tough as you think, pal." And, and so, in that moment, lots of decisions pop up, um, and, and lots of realizations. And, and everyone has these at some point in life. At some point in life, you know, you, you almost get run over by the bus. At some point in life, you, um, you know. It, it, food poisoning and it feels like you're gonna die yeah there's like a reckoning that happens (laughs) yeah but it's just your moment and i don't think this is special i think it's Mm -hmm. you know special in my life because what happened but but another everyone's life who's reading my thought was you're gonna have a moment like this when life god the universe mother nature just slaps you in the face and says hey wake up And, and this was my moment the first time it happened and and so it got me in a position where i started looking around at life and going oh shoot you know, I realized there's a big old list of stuff that I always wanted to do mm-hmm. that I wasn't doing. And it, it's stuff I had thought of, stuff that was exciting, but stuff that was not currently in motion. It was just on a yeah. piece of paper called a, a, a bucket list mm-hmm. sitting there as a dream someday. Did
1: you also get, like, because it seems like in the book you kind of make a bit of a distinction between, like, the things that you thought you. You wanted to do and what 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 really you want to do versus what society or culture, whatever it is that they
2: that they think are cool or the things. Did you get some clarity on that? Tons. And and, and great question with that. I remember when I grew up, I was at the time when MTV music videos were the hottest, coolest thing. And every morning when you get ready for school, you turn on the TV and put an MTV music video on behind you while you're getting dressed because it was cool. And the hottest, coolest video at the time was Biggie Smalls and Puff Daddy hypnotized. Oh, yeah, man. (laughs) Great video. I mean, that's some jams right there. You and I I I must be about the same age then. Yeah. Driving backwards in a Mercedes, <laughs> you know, helicopters on yachts with money and girls everywhere. More money, more problems. Exactly. Like Mace <laughs> came out, it was a big deal at the time. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And so my perspective on what was cool in life had to do with wearing some, you know, baggy, shiny suits. Sure. Like the music videos, thinking someday that would be the coolest thing that you could add up to in life. Yeah. And so to say materialism was in my range of values at the time and I thought about stuff and, you know, fancy stuff and I had friends who'd make fun of me and tease me because I grew up in a position where thanks to my family working extremely hard, I had a lot of privilege around me and, 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 and it was available. So there was stuff I would take advantage of and, and go do like, I'd go get a massage a couple times a month and Hey, a facial to keep your face nice is nice and keeping your car clean. Like mm-hmm. like simple stuff as a kid, you don't realize that it's really stupid expensive to do consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, but given the opportunity took advantage of it because I thought that was just part of life. Um, and, and to hit a moment where all of a sudden, you're told you have so many days left to live, and your values instantaneously rearrange themselves. Mm. You realize that a car is, is meaningless. A tr- you know, um, having a cool outfit is is again nothing, mm. a- and you start to click in your head of of your values realigning. And all of a sudden, you think about what you really, really, really wanted to do with your life, and it's like, wow, the important stuff starts showing up. I always wanted to get married at some point, and I'm like, wow, that was never high on my priority list at that moment of life. I was young, but it never even topped it. I, right. I you know, I was working harder to buy a cool pair of shoes than I was to find a wife, <laughs> <laughs> and it seems stupid, but uh-huh. but. It, it's a values realignment where all of a sudden your values in life realigns itself according to stuff that's really most important. And stuff that started popping up is like, wow, I always wanted to get married. I always wanted to have, have a child. I always wanted to finish my education. Freaking buy a house would be cool, you know, just to right. say, Hey, I was able to purchase a home for my family. Like that's neat in my mind. Um, and, and this list all of a sudden created itself in my, in my head. And I started writing all this stuff down and realizing I was spending so so much time on all these little distractions of life and and I was a good person. I mean... I signed up to go volunteer for six months in Uganda. Like, I was a good person. My values just hadn't truly aligned mm. with a lot of what I was telling myself. And you find this in a lot of people. They tell themselves one thing, but how they live doesn't match. Mm. So they tell themselves, like, it's all about being a good person, giving back, making a difference, God first, family second. Like, so you hear all these great values, but then you watch how they live their life and you look at their calendar and it's like work 24 hours a day, seven days yeah. a week. <laughs> and it's like, well, either be real with yourself and realize that work comes first above all, and that's just how you're living right now at this moment of your life, or um, figure out how to rearrange some things. Does that and, create unhappiness Like when you're, when you're out of
1: alignment like that? When, it when, does. Yeah, okay.
2: It, it, it creates tension. Mm -hmm. And tension doesn't always lead to unhappiness. Sometimes it leads to frustration or anger. Mm -hmm. It it leads to worry or anxiety. It leads to all kinds of stuff. But it creates the tension. And the tension is when you have an internal Mm -hmm. conflict. When inside your blueprint of life says, I'm supposed to do X. And outside, how you show up, you show up every day and do A. And it's like, that's not even close. <laughs> and you tell yourself, it's okay. If I can do A long enough, it's going to make me enough of something so then I can finally really do X the rest of my life. Yeah. And then I'm going to be like, hey, I'm going to work hard enough and make enough money. That way we can give more to our church. It's like, no, just show up and give more. So you're
1: seeing like a big difference between what you call the minors and the majors in life in the book. And, yep. and for you, the majors and, and for most people, let's just kind of run through those,
2: what, what they would be. The majors are simple. I mean, what are you doing every single day to take care of your health? If, if you start there, hate to tell you, you can work your face off and make a bazillion dollars and be the most famous, powerful person in your entire city or country or world or whatever. And if you lose your health, it's meaningless. Mm. There's an old crazy quote that says, and it's not crazy, it's awesome. Um, it's an you know, old quote that says, it, it, what boggles my mind most is that people will spend their entire life trying to make all this money and lose their health along the way, only to then spend every penny they have trying to get their freaking health back. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hey, you know, realize the the craziness of that quote, and, and just step back and say, what am I going to do every single day of my life to maximize this area called health? And, and then from there, emotions. You know, one of my favorite apps is called Mood Meter, and every day or a couple times a day, you just check in and you you pick which mood you're in, and then type why you're in that mood. And what's fun is if you do this for a week, you can go back and you can see where home is for you emotionally. Hmm. And all home means is where you live most often. And what's fascinating is happy people find a way to be happy all the time, no matter what the outside circumstance. Pissy people find a way to be busy and pissed all the time, no matter what the (laughs) circumstance. Angry people find a way to anger, you know. Upset and hurt people always find a way to be upset and hurt. And what's interesting is just self-awareness. If you take time to figure out where home is, you can either A, just get real with yourself and realize that's how you are, or B, make a decision to try to adjust where your home is and, and park it somewhere that's actually more beneficial to your mind, body, and health. So can you adjust that? Is it- 100%. Mm-hmm. But you have to be aware of where you're at. The delusion is, I'm a happy person. And then you say, how do you feel every day? And they're like, stressed, freaked out, worried, <laughs> angry, pissed. <laughs> right. You're like, wow, f-ing happy. That's interesting. <laughs> um, but but that's the lie we have, is we tell ourselves one thing, and reality is totally different. So self self awareness becomes this really really you know beautiful gift we can give ourselves and the people around us. Just being aware of how we actually choose to show up. So 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 go through them: health, emotions, relationships. Is a big one. You know, mm. I, I always tease people all the time, and and I deal with a lot of young guys in our business. And, and, and they'll say something that, that really, really is a horrific phrase, and they don't realize how much this can hurt another human being, specifically if they're in a relationship with a woman. And and you'll hear something like a young guy who thinks relationships is all about the physicalness of it, and they'll say, I just don't know if she does it for me anymore. Mm. And I say, okay, pal. And this goes for everybody in relationships. It's easy to look at another human being and say, I don't think they can do it for me, but let's get real. What are you bringing to the table? Mm -hmm. Where's the accountability? And I always tease them. I say, okay, if, if you're saying she can't do it for you sexually or physically, what are you serving up, buddy? Like, are you serving up something so freaking amazing in, your, in this area of your life that she literally hunts you down multiple times a week and, like, rips your clothes off because she can't wait to have some of it? Hmm. There's normally a lot of silence after that question. I say, okay, then let's get f-ing real here. Excuse the language, but let's get real. And and figure out what do you have to bring to the relationship to make it something that's so satisfying and exciting and real and, and deep and, and authentic that this person craves it. And I'm talking about much more than just sex. But, but what do you have to bring mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually to this relationship that you cause the other person to crave what you have to offer? And if that's what you choose to show up at in this area, bravo. And hopefully you found a a partner who's also willing to dig to that depth and bring that much of who they are, mind, body, spirit, and soul to this relationship so that you really get to experience the depths of what's possible in this area. But it's all about what you choose to bring to the game, not what you're trying to get out of it. And, And so that thought in relationships, how do you choose to show up? What do you choose to bring every single day to offer and give to the human being you're in a relationship with? And... You know, how are you doing? Are you really delivering? Or are you just kind of half assing it? Or are you just hoping that being there is enough every day? And, and sometimes it is, but you really got to deliver. If you keep going, business, you know, what do you do in your business? Again, what value do you bring to the world? And how have you been able to monetize and build it into a business that you love? Um, from there, you can go into finances. Not how much money you have, but what's your plan? <laughs> I've met a lot of people who made a lot of money, and I've met a lot of people who've also spent a lot of money. Mm. You know, you make a million bucks, spend a million too. It's like you're two hundred thousand down that year, <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, but you're a millionaire." It's like that doesn't matter. <laughs> you're out. Versus, you hear of a guy named Ted Johnson, UPS driver, never made more than seventeen thousand dollars a year in his entire life. Dude passed away. He had a $70 million gain in net worth over his life, and he gave away something like 20 or $30 million before he died. Wow. He never made more than $14,000 a year. He just invest- saved and invested. That's all. Mm. So, so it's really not how much
1: you make. It's what you're doing with it. Okay, so I got to play devil's advocate. Somebody might be listening saying. Hold okay. on
2: real quick. Yep. Does the devil really need another advocate? <laughs> no. Probably not. No. Okay. So I, I, I realize what you want to throw out at me. I also teach people, watch your language. <laughs> so, okay. So, so let's play God's friend here. <laughs> so this, this wouldn't be
1: necessarily me talking, but this let's might be somebody who's saying, look, you know, uh, Jarek, I understand, uh, you know, it's easy for you to say, you know, sure. you've had um, you know all these amazing opportunities uh, your family look where you came from and all this and it's you can be a happy guy you can be
2: successful but you know what about me sure I mean I'll give you history my, my, my grandma and grandpa on my mom's side when they got married they were they were struggling so bad that they uh, bartered for a place to live so they worked they lived in a motel she was the cleaning lady he was the maintenance guy so that's where they started Um. My, my grandma on my, my dad's side, her, her dad did very well. He was a cartoonist for Disney, so, so they did pretty well. Um, my grandma made some very fascinating choices, and, and she was interesting when it came to relationships. So She had a series of, I think, 10 husbands according to dad, so he had a very different experience. Um, but, but throughout going through all those relationships, there were moments where my dad recounts a story at 13 years old, you know they, they had enough money for food, But when it came times of Thanksgiving, like they weren't going to have Thanksgiving feasts like everyone has. They were going to have like sandwiches or something. Mm -hmm. So so you're right. Based on my family lineage and and how mom and dad were brought up and the situation they were in, I was incredibly well off and and easily able to have this life. So thank you for the privilege to share. But any other stories? (laughs) I think it's funny the way people look at that. Now, I'll fast forward. Dad grew up in a position that he said, listen, I will never ever 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 live through that kind of stuff ever again and as far as finances is concerned so he put the you know pedal to the metal and he pushed harder than any human being he ever knows and he still works harder than any human being I've ever met um Sit hurt, tired, he still stands up and pushes himself through no matter what to deliver for other people and and he did extremely well. I mean, he was able to amass you know over a million dollars in personal income by the time I was born and, and part of it was inspiration if he didn't want a child to have to go through the same stuff he went through, mm. and growing up, um, you know him and my mom weren't together, so I, I grew up a lot with mom. And, and we would go at times when dad was doing really well, he'd help out a lot more, and when dad was struggling you know, building his business, mom and I would go work the swap meet on the weekend as a side job to earn extra money for extra stuff we wanted to do. Like, I, I grew up in a situation where my parents were freaking determined to make it, and they busted their butt to make it happen. And fast forward it, uh, yeah, it turned out really well. Dad's done extremely well. He's up to a point now where he has like 19 companies, they do like five billion a year in revenue. So, so yeah, it has turned out. At the same time, I didn't grow up at the end of him doing all of that where he is now. I grew up along the journey of him having ups and downs and figuring out stuff along the way. And I grew up in a place where people said, listen, if you want life the way you want it to be, you got to grab it by the horns and go make it the way you want it. And that, that's what it takes. Uh, you know, He didn't hand me everything and say, here you go, pal. You can have everything you want. Here's a trust fund. Good luck. Enjoy life. Do whatever you feel like. He, he, he told me, he said, listen, I'll help you through school which is an incredible, incredible privilege. And I realized that. So he helped me through university. And he said, after that, I have one one rule with money. Don't ask, you know, and, and, and really, truly from a stance of he wanted me to have the ability to go earn whatever it is I wanted to create in this world. And it's one of the greatest gifts he ever gave me. Because it put me in a position where, in the very beginning, when I decided to go out on my own company, um, I was started a company out of a laptop, the internet, and a, and a f- cell phone out of the front den of a room of a house that I split with three other roommates. And my front den didn't even have a door; it had a couple curtains that didn't even match as the door. And I built a six-figure company in eight months out of out of a you know little desk in my front room that I also lived in.
1: And I think that's a tribute to you, like who you are and what you've been able to do and accomplish. It's impressive on your own. Um, but it's funny because we can look at the things in life that happen um, or that we experience, right? And it's like just a matter of perspective. Those same things can be reasons why, excuses why things didn't work out or reasons why they did. And it's it's interesting to see that. Is that all a matter of perspective and how can we use that right in our own lives, one of the questions we'll ask Jarek Robbins when we come back next.
0: This is on Purpose. on Purpose on the Blaze Radio Network. Coming up today on Pat and Stu.
2: I guarantee you, if you were to crack down on guns and somehow terrorists couldn't find their way around this with hundreds of millions of guns in this country, but let's just say you couldn't, what they would do is drive their giant cars and trucks into giant crowds to kill people. Or they would find other ways. They would poison people. There's
0: always something they're going to try to do. Pat and Stu, weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. He's on, purpose. on purpose on the Blaze radio network
1: is success really just a matter of perspective you see the two different people and the same thing can occur to two different people and they can see it completely differently in totally different ways there can be excuses or reason why things happen in people's lives jerek robbins let me ask you a question is this all about perspective
2: what kind of role does that play it, it really is, and, and you know, to, to go to a more broad perspective there, everything in life is either an example or a warning for you. Based on your goals, your dreams, your desires, your vision for who you are and where you want to go and how you want to live, every single human being you cross paths with is either a warning of what not to do because that will not lead to those goals, dreams, desires, or visions, or an example of what to do, how to show up that's going to cause you to get closer to what it is you're after in life. And and so a a lot of the book, if I were to sum it up for someone, um, you know, the chapter one is how how to define your absolute perfect day. And and what I realized is at that moment when I had malaria and told I only had possibly six days left to live, in case you're wondering, I made it. I'm still here. <laughs> Some people ask, like, did you make it? <laughs> I look at them I'm like, really? <laughs> I'm standing right in front of you. It <laughs> it's funny. It's, I think the brain catches up like 10 seconds later. <laughs> it's always a funny moment. Uh, but But, you know you realize at some point you don't have an, a hundred more tomorrows. You don't have a thousand. Some days it's like, wow, what if I only had one? And so chapter one is how do you design a day that'd be so fulfilling, so rich, so alive that nothing else would matter. And if that was the only day you had left, you'd go out with a smile on your face, knowing you lived, you loved, you mattered, and, and you showed up to life in a way that you'd be damn proud to go out on that day if you had to. And so that's day, that's chapter one. Uh, Chapter 2 through 11 is how to turn that day into reality. And it's based on my experience, um, for what it's worth. It's also based on thousands of clients we've worked with from all around the globe in every type of situation. And we give examples. We give examples of, you know, a single mom who's also a, a writer, who, who, what her perfect day would be like and how she was able to turn it in reality. A lady who's a mid-level manager in a big corporation here in the U.S. and how she was able to make a day in reality. A gentleman who's a, you know, a U.S. Air Force Chief Master Sergeant, how he was able to use his ideal day and turn it in reality. Uh, an entrepreneur how he was able to do it by building his own business so we live, give lots of examples of different paths and different ways people can do this but once you figure out yours two through eleven is how to turn it into reality and then once you've been able to turn one day into reality the final chapter is now let's turn it into a five ten and twenty year vision Not as a 20-year, I must land up at this place at this time on this date or else kind of vision, more so such a huge, grand, big vision that it becomes the North Star that guides the next 20 years of your life. It becomes a thing that's constant where every day you look up and or every night you look up and see that North Star, it's called your 20-year vision, and you know that you're headed in the right direction as long as you keep taking steps towards that star every day. And that's what it's meant for. And my thought is if you can use these tools to turn one day into reality, use the exact same tools to turn the next 5, 10, and 20 years into reality just the same. So what I'm hearing is like the first chapter is kind of like the GPS.
1: It's like putting in the coordinates of where you want to go when you get in the car. It's funny because I feel like so many people really don't know what they truly want in life. And if you don't, I guess you'll never get it. So... How do you really do that? Let's plug in the GPS and move forward. When we come back, Jerick Robbins. JarekRobbins.com is the website and, of course, an amazing book. You can grab it, Achieve Success by Living with Purpose. Of course, you can see the link to that book, Jerick's site as well, in the full show notes at JustinBarclay.com slash Purpose 017. This is on purpose
0: with Justin Barclay on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. Is Bernie Sanders Jewish?
1: He's, he's Jew-ish.
0: I'm sorry. He's he's,
1: he's Jew-ish. Like he's, he's not like he's not like full blown Jew. He's
0: so when you say when you talk about Bernie Sanders' faith, you don't go he's Jewish. No, he's you have not, to he's, say he's
1: Jew-ish. Bernie Sanders is not Jewish. He's
2: Jew.
0: Ish. QL. The Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip, weekday mornings six to nine Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. This is on purpose with Justin Barclay on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Living your life on purpose starts with day one a day on purpose. But here's where it gets interesting. So it turns out your perfect day might not actually be what you might think at the top of your mind, like what comes to the top of your head. Jarek, what does that mean? mean, How can I figure out what my perfect day
2: is? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really simple. I mean, technically to wrap your head around it, it's like, okay, what would your perfect day be? That's not a difficult thing to figure out for most people yet when you give them pen and paper and have them write down and you know sit down and start writing it out mm. you get a lot of blank stares <laughs> because you're like uh I don't know or you get stuff that's like beach, my tie, doing <laughs> nothing uh-huh. and it's like okay if you've ever met someone who's had the privilege to do that um, it's fun for like a week or two mm-hmm. and then they're bored out of their freaking mind you're right and, and you hear stories, and, and the truth is, I tell stories all the time where I'm like, how many people have realized that people who win the lottery are more miserable in their life the year <laughs> after than they were the year before? Everyone raises their hand and go, yes, I realize that. Uh-huh. How many people still don't believe it'll happen to them? Everyone raises their hand. I'm like, huh, that's interesting.
1: <laughs> it's so funny because people think that you know you'll hear that a lot, that money is the answer.
2: Yeah. But then someone wins the lottery and they're fucking pissed off about their life a year later. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's like, Well, that no. didn't solve it. No. What did solve it? No, no. I, I know a lot of people who have a lot, a lot, a lot of money and they're really happy about their life. How did they pull that off? And it comes back to it. It has little to do with the end result that they achieved. It has more to do with they found a way to fall in love with the journey. Mm-hmm. They fall. They fell in love with the daily action of whatever they were doing, and they fell in love with it so much that whether they made money or not, they would just keep doing it. And because they kept doing it so much and so often, and they were constantly refining it and getting better, which is a key—you have to refine and get better. They were constantly refining it, constantly getting better at it. Pretty soon, they got so freaking good at it that they started earning a load of money for doing something that they would do anyways, just because they love it so much. Simple example: if you want. To go back is like someone like a Jim Carrey. That dude, when he he loved to do his stand up comedy so much that you know the story is that he'd work all day, get done at ten o'clock at night, drive a couple hours to the middle of nowhere to go to some bar that would let him do his stand up. He'd stand up there at midnight doing his routine three people in the bar and then afterwards you get in the car drive hours back home wake up and go back to work but he loved doing his stand up so much that he would do it for free in the middle of the night in the middle of nowhere just for the opportunity to stand up and share that gift with the world probably would have paid to do it too he probably would have fast forward that now he's done okay in life yeah. <laughs> it worked out yeah, yeah. you know that, that passion of consistently just having this yearning drive to show up and give whatever this gift is to the world, if you if you stay with it and allow it to continue, you'll be surprised where it takes you. But what most people do is they go do it a few times. It doesn't pay the bills right away, and they're like, well, I guess it's not for me. I'm going to have to just get a normal job and give up. It's like, no, Jim Carrey wasn't getting paid either. He was doing it at midnight after work. And if you really love whatever it is you, you, you want to do, do it after work, do it on the weekends, do it on the sides, do it after your kid's soccer practice, like find a space in life where you get that 30 minutes or hour to step up and deliver your gifts and go do it. And, and again, if you do it enough times consistently over time, you'll get good as long as you consistently refine it. And eventually, maybe you'll even turn it into a business, and make money doing what you love. That'd be cool. You know, that kind of brings you to a point where what you're talking about, a lot of people,
1: the big obstacle or the hurdle they'll tell themselves, is is that the time. They just don't have time, and there's all these other And, they, and people, we do have a lot of things pulling at us, the miners that you're talking about in that yep. book, right? Um, and I just want to give you a shout-out for this, because I don't know if it was, it's probably been a couple of weeks now, but I, I saw you talking about uh, a method of, Working for a few minutes, then working off, and I'll let you kind of describe that. Uh, or taking a break and and uh, and using like a timer for that. Yep. And it's it's something that I've been using since I heard about it before, and I've, I I kind of played with it before, but since I heard you talk about it, and man, it has really, <laughs> I mean, it really has
2: done uh, done wonders. It works, right? It does. It's something. It's called the Pomodoro technique. And, and really simple. All it is, it, it's the equivalent of using an old school tomato timer. So a Pomodoro Tomato, that kind of thought process. And there's a website. I think it's called Tomatotimer.com. And, and it's pre-set up. And all it is, if you want to maximize, maximize your performance. And, and I just got off the phone with an awesome guy who's out in, in Bucharest, Romania he doesn't want to maximize every hour of every day because that's not what his DNA is made for. You know, he can do what he calls robot life for a little bit of time, but after so long he's like, eh, it burns me out. It doesn't juice me. So you first have to make a decision like, is this for you? (laughs) Yeah. And it's not for everybody, but for those of you who really, really live to maximize every moment of every day and that's part of your DNA, like you're just looking for tools and strategies to just squeeze the juice out life, then this is for you. And how you do it, 30 minutes of total focus on one single activity or task, five minute break. Now, what you do in the five-minute break is really important. Five-minute break is to refill your mind, body, spirit, and soul and, and reduce who you are as a human being. So listen to your favorite music. Do some jumping jacks. Jump on a rebounder, which NASA said is one of the best exercises you can do, uh, which is the mini trampoline. You just bounce on it for you know five total minutes. Do some deep diaphragmic breathing, or if you want a specific pattern, use box breathing, something we learned from Mark Devine, who's an ex-Navy SEAL. He was top of his class in the SEALs when he finished. Camp, Um, And it's a way he got through some of the toughest situations that they physically, mentally and emotionally put them through. He learned how to box breathe, which is real simple. Four seconds of a breath in, hold the breath for four seconds, breathe out for four seconds, and then hold it out for four seconds and repeat. There's four, 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 four in. Hold it for four, four out, hold it out for four, repeat. And, and, and do that for five minutes and you, you'll feel completely energized. Um, take a walk around the building, listen to your favorite motivational you know uh, YouTube video. Like there's dozens of things you could do for five minutes, but you need something that mentally, emotionally, and physically refuels you. Things to avoid during the five minutes, Distractions. Get off Facebook, get off Twitter, stop messing around, reading random stuff about what's how the world's ending today and we all need to be aware of it. Don't read the news. Like, like, like Go do stuff that fills you up and fuels you up. Don't get lost in distractions and, and bickery and all this people and stuff going after each other. Um, it's important for some people to check in a couple times a day on that just because of their job or career Yeah, Uh, if you're a stock trader obviously you're going to turn on the news a couple times a day I get it Uh, at the same time though that's not what you do in your five minute freaking break because that's not going to mentally emotionally or physically or spiritually reduce you Um, you need to choose other options that fill you up and fuel you up as a human being. Then go back into your 30 minutes of total uninterrupted focus. When I say interrupted, uh, I've gone down this route of arguing this out even with lawyers and they'll say, well, I'm a partner at X, Y, and Z firm and you don't understand. In my firm, my door is open so that the junior associates can poke their head in and ask me questions because that's a necessary evil in our business. I said, no, it's not. That's a story you tell yourself about why you can't stay freaking focused. So let's get over it now and let's fix it here's what we're going to do. I want you to get a very technical device for your office. I want you to go to a local liquor store and buy one of those little sticky things they put on the window that says be back in 20 minutes. (laughs) Slap that thing on your door and adjust it to the time you're at and say I'll be back at this time. Don't f***ing touch my door until it says at that time. (laughs) Now right next to it, stick a little piece of paper on the door that says five or ten minute increments and say at this time of the day, I'm going to take... 10 meetings in a row. So, you know, 10 minutes each. Uh, It'll take me a couple hours or, or, you know, five-minute meetings and I'm going to take six of them, so 30 minutes of time back to back to back. Write down exactly what your name is, exactly what your question is, and I will handle all of these the moment I get to that time during the day. And that becomes your focus time for that 30 minutes of that day. And now you got your distractions out. Now you also have to take away all the digital distractions. Your email, Facebook, Twitter, you're buzzing, beeping, dinging, twitching, whatever cell phone you have in your pocket. All this stuff needs to be turned off. Mm. Um, if you want to understand why single focus is so important, a friend of mine wrote a book called The Myth of Multitasking. Um, and, and when Dave wrote that book, he, he, he put it together because he went and did research inside of corporations in the U.S. and found that the average worker for every 60 minutes they're paid only gets about 20 minutes of actual productivity. Hmm. That's ridiculous. It. Mm-hmm. That sucks. And, and so really, truly, like let's get you back to maximizing productivity by getting you to take those 30-minute windows and have nothing else exist in the world except for you and the number one outcome you're going to reach and do whatever it takes to get there. Now, if you want to keep going down the path as far as maximizing time, start becoming outcome-focused instead of task-focused. And and all that means is we teach a whole webinar about that it has these little key things all built into it um, at one of our sites, performancecoachuniversity.com. There's a free online training that runs every day and you can grab, you know, the next spot that's open and join us there. And it teaches these kind of tips of how to maximize your performance and, and really, truly how to be a really powerful leader and manager in your business and life. Um, stuff like you got to put the right person in the right position. A lot of companies have an archaic method of, high, of, of um, what's it called? Giving someone a, a, a better position or promotion. And so they take the best sales guy and make him the sales manager. Mm-hmm. Here's the god on his truth. They did that in basketball. They made Michael Jordan the best player into the uh, uh, you know, a team, um, what's it called, coach. Mm-hmm. And he was a horrible coach.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Not because he's not a great player. He was one of the best players on the planet. But his DNA is not built to be a coach. The only thing he knew how to say is, work harder, because that's what I did. (laughs) (laughs) That didn't work out for the Wizards, you know? And and so there's that thought, Like that's an archaic method. Now some people might say, well right now, Steve Kerr used to be a player, and he's a phenomenal coach. Yes, it's part of his DNA. Hmm. So you gotta figure out, how do you identify that coach DNA so you're putting the right person as the right manager? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people do this in a in a really ridiculous backwards way, just saying, hey, you were the best at X, so we're going to make you the leader of it now. And, and they go out, and the team gets smothered, and the person fails, and they get frustrated, and, and it leads to a downward spiral of the group, not knowing – the only reason that caused it is you didn't know the DNA of who you were putting in that position, so – something we also teach in the webinars, how to identify the right person for the right position at the right stage of their life to make sure you're filling the roles with the right people so that they maximize and flourish in each position instead of fall apart.
1: So that, to me, is what's really freeing. Hearing you say this, there is no one-size-fits-all solution for every single person. Let's talk about how to drill down to the right solution for you. If you're listening right now, what exactly can you do to figure out what works best for you good news there's no more pressure jerek reveals that right after this by the way you want to grab more tips tricks and inspiration jump on our free all-access vip newsletter just text the word justin j-u-s-t-i-n to 44222 it'll ask for your email send that back and you're automatically in we'll see you on the inside extraordinary stories
0: Of ordinary heroes. This is On Purpose with Justin Barclay on the Blaze Radio Network. Mike Slater.
2: Glenn Reynolds had a great article the other day. The headline was, Why the President Needs to be White, Male, and Republican. You hear the headline, you're like, Oh my gosh, we need a white guy to be our president? His point is, the media hasn't done their job for seven years. So it's going to take someone they hate for them to remember how to do their jobs.
0: So what's it going to take to get the media to do their job? A white, male, Republican. Because the last seven years, were their savior and darling in the White House, they've totally turned the other way. Mike Slater. Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Ordinary Stories of Ordinary Heroes. This is On Purpose with Justin Barclay on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: So how do you figure out what's right for you? Well, Jarek, I'll give you a great example. And this is why I think this is so freeing. Is just a moment ago, you were telling us about how things can be different for different folks. And I got to tell you, like for me, I am not a schedule every moment kind of person, but I schedule like the important things, right? And that tends to help me get a lot more done. I've been doing this recently actually, uh, with your advice over the last few weeks. And man, it's crazy how much I get done, but I also like to have a lot of time just to be. So I love this. The fact that it really is about what works best for you. How do we figure that out?
2: And and again, it's picking the right time and the right place to apply the right gear. You know, It's it's simple to use a race car analogy. Gear one is used for very certain things on that track, so it's gear six. But if you stick it in gear six to start the race, it's going to take a while for you to catch up to everybody else that zooms off in gear one. (laughs) <laughs> it is just right gear, right place, right right approach with the right time in life. Um not everyone's built for all the gears. Some people don't have a sixth gear. And and we'll get that question from time to time like what if working like a robot and focusing 100% on only one thing at a time like doesn't exist in my DNA. Here's an answer. Don't do it. There's other ways to success. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know there's there's some older teachers who back in the day used to teach these are the golden pillar steps to success and if you follow them you will succeed and if you don't you will fail eh, I think we've grown up and educated ourselves enough to realize there's lots of ways to achieve the results you want how do we know that because there's a guy who followed a golden pillar role to success and succeeded and there's an artist who never did any of that and did just as well mm. Yeah. So there's not one path. It's just realizing everything works some of the time, nothing works all the time. Now I realize that's kind of a funny catchy phrase, but it's true. So so what would be the key? The key would be gathering as many options as humanly possible. And I'll tell you how to look for them. The very first thing you want to look for, depending on which major category of life you're focused on, the very first thing that go out and identify is just what works. So gather that old guy's eight golden pillars to success. Gather it. Maybe it works. You know, gather my ideal day concept that I like to talk about. Gather someone else's, uh, you know, scheduling your master plan and eating those frogs first thing in the morning. Gather someone else's horizontal and vertical planning tips. Gather someone else's outcome-focused, purpose-driven, massive action plan. Gather someone else's. I know all of them because we teach a lot of them and know them. We're friends with the people who create them. So, So gather all the tools and say, okay, I know these all work some of the time, but which one in the second question is once you gather what works and you applied it and you saw the fact that it works in your life, the next question is what works for you? Mm -hmm. Which one is the one that works best for you as an individual? Everyone's different. You got to figure out what really applies in your life, in your business, in your health that helps you maximize you. Now, once you figure that out, the third step is you got to automate that. You can't sit around hoping that you're perfectly going to show up and magically do it right every day. Like, you got to figure out a system, a strategy. Uh, Duke University shows that 60% of what we do every day is a habit unconscious we're not even logically thinking through it we just go into a rhythmic routine our brain literally kicks in the autopilot and our body just goes through the motion of a habit we've built in a simple example for anyone who goes has a 95 type job or an office job and every day you wake up at a certain time you get in your car you start driving and you use the same exact route to get to work and then get to the office have you ever woken up on a day when it's not a work day gotten in your car start driving um, almost kind of like blanked out Realize realized where you were and all of a sudden you realized you were parking in your work spot Man. and you think, oh, sh- it's not a work day. Mm. And you're like, huh, that's fascinating. What the hell just happened? <laughs> like I woke up, had a plan, got in the car, somehow landed up in the, my work spot. Uh, whoops. And then normally what you do is look around, make sure no one saw you and slowly back out of the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to claim that shit. Like I didn't do that. Uh, but, but reality, what happened? Autopilot kicked in. Your brain went into a habit, a ritual, a routine that it does often, and it stopped thinking logically and processing, and it just went into an automatic routine that you do so often that that's what your body thought it was supposed to do when you started the journey. And, and that happens all the time in your relationships. Here's a big question. What autopilot do you have turned on right now in your relationships? mm showing up as the lovingest, most amazing, most healthy, happy, fulfilled version of yourself and giving all of your mind, body, soul, and spirit to love the hell out of the person you're with? Or do you have one of those autopilots that's crabby and grumpy and needy and frustrated all the time and always pissed why they're not doing X for you? What's your autopilot? Mm
0: -hmm.
2: You know, (laughs) health-wise. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Generally, if you look in the mirror for most people, you can see what their autopilot leads to. Um, (laughs) but, But what do you have set up right now? Are you a person who every day wakes up and automatically goes for a workout? or are you a person who every day wakes up and automatically avoids that shit like the plague? Hmm. <laughs> and you got to fight yourself out the front door. You got to fight yourself to put your shoes on. You got to fight yourself to get on a freaking bike and start pedaling. Like like what autopilot is kicked in for you in this area called health? You know when you reach in the refrigerator, what do you automatically reach for? Emotionally, Where's your home? We talked about this earlier, the the concept of where do you emotionally go to most often? What's your autopilot? Like I said, happy people tend to go back to happy because that's what their autopilot is set on.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Pissy people get pissed off real quick no matter what happens (laughs) that's the weird part you take two people one person set to happy one person set to anger one uh, someone cuts them off the happy person is like oh look they must be having a great day they're excited the other person's like ah what's wrong with them i want to kill them ah and it's like not same situation they just had a different autopilot set up in emotions
1: Mm -hmm.
2: so just that thought and, and hopefully it's something that the listeners can kind of dig through in their own life and go, okay, what's one category of my life that I'd like to improve on? What's my current autopilot set at and what does it need to be set at to actually get me to my ideal day and my 5, 10, 20-year vision for my life?
1: Yeah, I think that's powerful because just uh, becoming aware of where, where we are and saying, okay… Now, how do I change this? Now, where do I go? And and the book, uh, live it, achieve success by living with purpose. Obviously, uh, you can grab it. We'll put the link up. Um, the thing I like most about it, jerick is you, you tell great stories in the book. But not only that, you're giving step by step, actionable. Um, do this next. It's almost like people are going through a, like a course with you. Like you know, you're right there teaching them.
2: That's the goal. We want to set them up so that it's not a like, hey, I told you an inspirational story. Hey, I also told you that you can do it someday down the road. Cross finger method, hopefully you go do something with it. Like that that that's not my style. Hmm. My style is hey. We went through these steps, I talked about them, I outlined it for you, this is an option. If it works for you, great. Here's exactly how to apply it to your life right now. Do the following Live It Challenge. So we created these little things called Live It Challenges, it's at the end of every chapter, and it tells you how to immediately apply what you've just read about and learned. Um, the stories I appreciate you. You enjoy them. Uh, the, the, we tried to make it more entertaining than just a black and white. Here's five steps to X. Right. Like <laughs> we, we wanted to make it a little more entertaining than that. Hopefully, so yeah. people can enjoy the read. And for some people, to be honest, it's just a great read. It's a fun read about a great you know adventures around the world and doing crazy stuff and having fun. Um, just so you know, my personality. I love everything between volcano boarding to hanging out with gorillas in Rwanda Hold to on. going wait, going wait. to. What's volcano boarding? What is that? One of the coolest things ever. <laughs> uh, it's in Nicaragua. It, yeah. It's on Volcano Negro. It's a black volcano. And what happened is like the ash and soot has turned into this really fine gravel on the side of the volcano. And so what you do is you get these like sled boards where it's like a sled on top, like wood on top, shaped like a sled. And on the bottom, they have these metal sheets they've they've uh, nailed to the board and you take it all the way to the top. It takes like an hour, maybe 45 minutes to an hour, hour and a half to hike up the mountain. Mm. And you get to the top. It's an active volcano with like steam coming out the top and everything. (laughs) Um, if you reach down in the sand at the top and dig like a a half inch deep, your hands on fire. Mm. I mean, it literally feels like the rubber is going to melt off the bottom of your shoes. It's so hot up there. (laughs) And then when you get to the very top, take your pictures, hang out, observe the view. And then you jump on this sled and some people stand, most people sit And what took you about 45 minutes to an hour and a half to climb up takes you about 45 seconds to get back down to the bottom. Wow. And you hold on for your freaking life. And what's funny is if you lean forward, you slow down. If you lean back, you speed up. But most people get scared and lean back going, ah, and they speed up. And I mean, they go like a freaking bullet down the side of this volcano. Mm. And you just go flying all the way back down to the trucks. Um, Wow. I mean, you come back, you're, you're... You know, dusty black from head to toe with soot all over you, but it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that sounds incredible. So we we like stuff like that. Uh you know, we've taken groups with us on our retreats where we will go volcano boarding, then the next day we'll go build a school in a village in Guatemala for a, you know, a, group, a community that needs help building their school, then the next day we'll go zip lining on the longest fastest zip line in the world in Costa Rica, then the next day we'll go, you know, uh wave running in in Cabo San Lucas. Like we we like doing trips like that for people. So crazy adventures mixed with learning and giving and making a difference in the world. And that's, uh, the rapid results retreats. Yeah. Rapid results retreats. Um, this year might be a little bit different topic. We've had a lot of people asking about relationship stuff. So we're, we're contemplating putting together maybe like a five to seven day kind of couples or single person wanting to find their perfect mate retreat and, and, and take him through a really fun process. We've learned that when most couples get together, um, he, 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 you know, person A has their own set of values and rules in life. Person B has their own set of values and rules in life. And many times uh, they never talk these things through mm. and they just believe the hallucination of, well, they probably think what I think and feel what I feel. <laughs> and that's the equivalent of me saying, okay, let's play a game together. We're going to sit down. Here's your rule book. It's called chess. Learn, learn the rules. Learn exactly what's right, wrong, good, bad, how to play, what, what works, what doesn't, what's illegal, what's totally in the rules and what's not. And then, I'm, and here's your playbook. Your playbook is called Monopoly. <laughs> so here, well, you read your rules. You understand how it works, what you do, how you win, how you lose, all this stuff. And then we both sit down at a board game called life, and this is usually relationship or marriage. And the person A looks at person B and says, okay, go ahead and start the game. And person A says, "Okay, I'm I'm gonna move my chess piece. My rook is gonna, or my uh, what is it? My pawn is gonna go from whatever K3 to to L7 or something." And they move it. And the other person goes, "No, that's not how you play. You're supposed to pick. Are you the horse, the boot, the the train, or the iron?" And they go, What the hell are you talking about? That's not how relationships work. You're supposed to roll the dice and pass, go. And the other person says, You're freaking crazy. That's not how it works. My knight's supposed to tackle your queen, and that's how we win the game. And that's what most people call relationships. Yeah. <laughs> now, how many moves before two people are ready to freaking kill each other? Yeah. Not many because mm-hmm. they're violating each other's rules. Now, in the beginning, you might let the other person get away with it for a while because you're like, oh, they'll understand later, wink, wink. But no, they're playing with a whole different rule book of, of life, not realizing that you don't have the same rules as them. So our thought is put together a simple little group retreat where we get together with you know a handful of couples or young people about to be in a relationship and then just have them write down as an individual, what do you value most in life? Really authentically and truly. And what are your rules? How do you know when you're being congruent with that value? From there, you know person A does it, person B does it, share with each other. And then here's the big question. When you're deciding to become a couple and do life together, what are you both going to choose by choice to put first? Mm. You can have individual values as separate people, but when you choose to be together in that marriage or partnership or relationship or household, What are you going to choose is the set of guiding values. Based on those values, how do you know what are the rules when you're being congruent with them? Mm -hmm. Now, based on that, now as a couple, you have a rule book together. You say, hey, when I'm apart from her and she's apart from me or he's apart from him or whatever, when they're apart, they have their own rules and values. When they're together, this is the over." overseeing the set of rules and guidelines that exist here that they both chose. They both deliberately created because they believe it would be best. And they both committed to sticking to them no matter what takes away a lot of the big headaches and and frustrations and misunderstandings that show up so often because people haven't done the process. Yeah. It's funny because
1: when you think about that, you think that most people, you just want to be on the same page, but it turns out you're not even in the same book. (laughs)
2: No, you're, you're playing a totally different game. <laughs> One <laughs> person's playing Clue, and the other person's playing freaking Monopoly, and they don't even realize it.
1: I love that. That's a great analogy. Well, um, I know I know you've got to run, um, but uh, before you do, I just want to let everyone know where they can catch up with you. Um,
2: JarekRobbins.com is the best place. Yeah, or Facebook. Come hang out with us. We, we we try to do live live feeds just about every other day. Uh, we talk about all kinds of awesome random stuff like this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> how cool is that? By the way, just just as a side note, with the Facebook Live and technology, are are you able to? I can imagine because I'm seeing it with my stuff too. But I mean, how many people are you able to reach more than you than you ever were before
2: with that? Um, lots of people. It, it depends on what number you look at. We look at views and then we try to also dig in and see how many people are staying with the video, not right. just like viewing it for two seconds and turning it off. Mm-hmm. Um, which, by the way, I say the same stuff every day, the intro to video. So if you only watch the first two minutes, it's going to pretty much sound like the same thing every day. <laughs> 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 um, I'm trying to train people to have automatic positive thoughts. So I say yeah. the same stuff every day. Uh, but but then from there, the topic varies day to day. And then it's fascinating. If you look at just total impressions, um, we're averaging about... 500,000 to 700,000 people a week as far as impressions, which is awesome, wow. way more than we've ever got in the past. Uh, if you look at views, I mean, we're getting upwards of you know, 20,000, 30,000 video views a week right now, uh, which is awesome to see our content reach that many people consistently. Mm. I, and, and believe it or not, my favorite part is our goal isn't necessarily mass and volume. My personal goal whenever I'm doing those is to reach the one person that needs that message that mm. day. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm aiming for. If one person tuned in and one person needed to hear what I had to say and it really got them right in the heart and just, bam, made their day, it was a victory. And that's all I'm aiming for. Um, the cool part is, though, because it's out there and circulating and, and getting out into the world, I was—I I just had a guy from, from Bucharest who I got off the phone with. He watched a video somehow randomly that I, that was out there. He loved it. He called me and he's like, listen, I have 2 million people in a a personal development Facebook group that I run. I would love to be able to share your content with them. Are you okay with that? Wow. like, yeah. (laughs) No objections. (laughs) And he's like, cool. I just wanted to make sure. Like, you know, I I really like your stuff. He's like, I'm great at marketing. I'm not a great teacher. You're a kick-ass teacher. I'd love to help you reach more people. I'm like, Cool. (laughs) Let's do it. Teamwork. (laughs) And and, and so that's the cool part about that Facebook live is, is it gets you to people that don't know who you are. Never seen your stuff crosses paths with the right people and then those right people take it and help you reach more people, which is awesome. Are you doing them at a certain time
1: specific or are you kind of fluctuating?
2: So I'll tell you my experience thus far. First, I was all over the map for a while. Mm -hmm. I would try first thing in the morning on my walk home from the gym just because I believe in net time, so no extra time. I was overlapping activities so that I wasn't wasting time. Um, I've tried them um, late at night, midday, afternoon, mid-morning. I've tried them all different times. The, the, the most consistent time I've seen here on the East Coast of, of the United States is about 5.30 p.m. Eastern hmm. is the is the largest volume of people we can reach, which, which just means, hey, for that one person who I'm trying to reach that, that's going to make their day and they need to hear our message, that that's the most prominent time to hopefully fit, have them online and reach them. Um, I'm sure that time changes depending on where you go in the world, but that's the most consistent time I've seen here. Hmm. That's interesting.
1: So Facebook is a great place. Matter of fact, we'll put links up if you want to catch up with Jarek, either on Facebook or Jarek Robbins on his com, the website. And all the links, everything we talked about, Complete, extensive show notes. I just want to thank you, uh, Jerick. We'll put them up on the website. Thanks for uh, for coming on with us, and I really appreciate your time
2: today, man. You, uh, yeah, you, you really uh, you knocked it out of the park for us, man. Ah, uh, thanks for having me, man. I'm always excited to share. So, thank you for for the ability to keep giving.
1: Not another great episode. Find the full show notes at justinbarclay slash purpose zero one seven by the way. Everything Jerick talked about, the books, any links, courses, all of that stuff online at JustinBarclay.com slash purpose zero one seven. Man, it is such an honor to be able to bring these kind of stories to you. It's such an honor to be able to talk with these folks and just be able to share this together. This really started out of my desire to have conversations, deeper, more meaningful conversations with people who are really living life in a different way, living life on purpose. I want to bring those things to you. They inspire me and I hope to share them with you. That's what, after all, we're doing here is building a great community. Let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Is there somebody that you'd love to hear on the show? Let's go after them. I'll, I'll talk to anybody. If they can bring you some sort of great, amazing story. If they can be entertaining, if they can be interesting, I'd love to share their story with you. By the way, if you're digging a show, please, by all means, go to justinbarclay.com slash podcast, the iTunes podcast store. Leave us that five-star rating and review, and that'll help us get the word out. Thank you so much. By the way, if you want to like a little plug, let us know. Leave your uh, podcast. Leave your blog. Whatever it is that you're up to, I'd love to help give you a little bit of uh, support. You know what I'm saying? Get more tips, tricks, and inspiration. Literally dozens of ways that you can create more freedom in your life. I'm going to tell you how to live life on purpose. What works for me, the tools of the trade, what's working for other people, one of those great stories. Go to justinbarclay.com, put in your name, put in your email. I'd love to send you some great stuff. Or you can text in right now with your phone, the name Justin, that's me, 44222 justin Text that into 44222. It'll ask for your email, shoot that back, and you're in right away. That's it for today. I can't wait to bring you more as we continue this amazing journey together. Cheers to you and your life on purpose.